And welcome back to the Mets Council Podcast, your place for counseling about the New York Mets. I'm your host, John Anthony Risso. Today, I'd like to talk about two things. So spring training has just started, and I think there's two obvious positions that we need to look at here in spring training, that being pitching and third base. So let's talk about those two different areas, how the Mets are maybe going to deal with it over the next year, and uh, see what happens here. So, I want to talk about third base, and and I've talked about third base a little bit over the past couple podcasts. I've talked about how I'm very, very much for Brett Beatty starting the year, Um, and I want to talk about this again, because... Since you've last heard from me, Manny Machado has been extended. It was in Mets fans' minds that, oh, maybe next year we'll go after Manny Machado. Right? We tried to get Correa as an all-star. That didn't work out. Let's try to get Machado, who's an all-star, one of the best third basemen in the game. Right? Uh, Machado is easily a top three third baseman in the game. Uh, you can argue Nolan Arenado. Machado and Jose Ramirez, I think, are the top three. I think you can argue, you know, the ranking, but I think without a doubt, those are the top three. And next offseason, Machado had an opt-out of his contract with the Padres, and Machado himself, a couple weeks ago, said, I'm definitely going to opt-out. Well, now he's definitely not going to opt out because he has a brand new contract. Uh, he was extended. So the Mets will not not be able to have a chance at getting Manny Machado anytime soon. <laughs> and I think that's a little bit of a good thing. I know when the Correa situation went down, um, after the Mets dropped him, right after the, the Mets decided not to sign him, they looked at the records and decided not to sign him. A lot of fans said, oh, don't worry, we'll get Machado next year. Which I think was kind of a bad, you know, mindset to have. Um, because who knew if Machado was going to be a free agent next year? It wasn't set in stone. He could have decided not to opt out. You know, he could he could have potentially had... Like, you know, in 2023, if he didn't sign this extension, let's say he had the worst year of his career, he's not opting out. You know what I mean? So who who knows what could happen? That could have happened. He could have got extended. He could have, you know, who who knows what what could have happened between now and then. It's not set in the stone that he's a free agent next year. And obviously, we see that now. We we, we see that now that, that he's not going to be a free agent. So that we're not going to have that superstar third baseman, you know, anytime soon. And that's okay. (laughs) It's really okay. You don't need to have an all-star superstar. I should say you don't need to have a superstar at every single position. Um, Manny Machado signed an 11-year deal with the Padres, $350 million. And he's 30 years old. So, (laughs) you know, maybe it's a good thing we didn't get Machado. Maybe it is. I I, I don't know. The Mets 
have not signed, you know, as much as the, as much money as the Mets have spent over the last few off seasons. They've really only signed one extremely long deal. Um, and that being Francisco Lindor, right? All the other deals that we have, Starling Marte, uh, Mark Canna, Eduardo Escobar, Max Scherzer, Justin Verlander are all short-term deals. You know, Jeff McNeil, kind of, but it's an extension. It wasn't 11 years like Lindor is. It's not really comparable. You know what I mean? But Lindor is the only one that we signed that period of time, you know, for a, for a 10-plus-year deal. Um, and we're seeing these teams, especially this offseason, right? Machado, obviously. Xander Bogarts is another great example. And Trey Turner, as well, are all signing these types of deals. And I, I think the Mets are playing smart. When we got Francisco Lindor in 2021, when we traded for him and then subsequently extended him, he was 27. Yes, he was 27. All these other players, Machado, Bogarts, and Trey Turner are all 30. Usually, usually, a player's prime is 26, 27 to about like 35, 34, 35, right? All these, so the Padres and the Phillies, out of these three players, they're getting half of their prime. Not to be fair, Machado's a little different because they had Machado the last few years, right? They've had him since 2019, so a while ago, and it's weird to think that. Um, so Machado less so, but definitely Bogarts and definitely Trey Turner. The Padres are only getting half of Bogarts' prime, and the Phillies are only getting half of Trey Turner's prime. Again, players can be different. We have players like Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer who, you know, they age like fine wine. And they're all-stars. They're Cy Young winners in their 40s. Um, But average, right, average players, like the normal player's career, usually once you get to 35, you start to dip. Uh, Your numbers aren't you know, I was good anymore. I mean, it's different for players. It's different for position. It's different for everything. But especially if you're at a, like, we're talking shortstops here. We're talking about three shortstops of, of Bogarts and Trey Turner and Lindor, especially when you're at a prime, uh, you know, a very taxing defensive position like shortstop. It, I personally do not think Trey Turner is going to play shortstop in five years from now. I don't think so. I I think Francisco Lindor and Trey Turner are the top two shortstops. I think, of course, being slightly biased, I think Lindor is a little bit better, uh, but I, I truthfully think so. Uh, Trey Turner has a better on-base percentage, he has a better average than Lindor. Lindor has more home runs and much better defense. You can argue that Trey Turner is is slightly better offensively, but he's much worse defensively. Lindor is one of the best shortstops in baseball, and I really think defense is not it's not valued as much as it should be. Um, 
for instance, Juan Soto was nominated for a gold glove last year, and that's an absolute joke. He does not deserve to be nominated for a gold glove. Lindor was not nominated for a gold glove. Neither was Luis Guillorme nor Jeff McNeil, who all should have been at least nominated. I'm not saying they should have won, but they should have been nominated for gold gloves. They should have been finalists. So Lindor and Trey Turner are the top two shortstops in baseball, I think. And and you can argue Trey Turner's better. I think Lindor's better. Obviously some bias there, but I think Lindor's better. You can argue it's one or the other, but I think it's definitely they're the top two. Um, and I just think comparing the Lindor deal to the Bogarts deal and, and the Trey Turner deal, the Bogarts deal and Turner are very similar. They're the same age. You know, they're 30 plus. I think Bogart's is 30. Let me see what he is right now. He's definitely 30 plus. Yeah, he's 30. Bogart's is 30, and Turner is also 30. So, as opposed to when we got um, Lindor, excuse me, Excuse me, I'm sorry. Trey Turner is 29. Trey Turner is 29, Bogarts is 30. Close, right? As opposed to when we got Lindor, was 27, our first year. We're getting more of Lindor's prime. And, and I truthfully think if the Phillies do not win, win a trophy in the next couple of years, this Trey Turner deal is going to be one of the worst deals in baseball. In five years, absolutely, it, it's not going to look good. I, I personally think, obviously, this is just speculating at this point. Uh, he could play the next eleven years and go in the Hall of Fame as a Phillies you know, with a Phillies cap on. Who knows? I just think Trey Turner's game is speed, right? Like I said, Lindor is much better than him defensively, and I think the only reason Trey Turner is still playing shortstop is because he has the speed. Um, and Turner's whole deal, we know this from him being on the Nationals, his whole deal is getting on first and being annoying and being that threat to steal, even if he doesn't steal. But when he tries to steal, he does, because he's just super fast and super annoying at first base. Um, Speed doesn't last when you're 35, 36, 37. The Phillies have him until he's 41. Um... And Bogarts is the same thing. Bogarts is nowhere near the defensive wizard Lindor is. Nowhere near him. Um, and I I think Bogarts, his numbers are going to go down the tube next year. And I think they are because he's not playing in Fenway anymore. Um, just, I'm not saying he's going to be horrible. I just think his numbers aren't going to be as good. I could, could be wrong about that. But I think Fenway was kind of built for him. He was very good. And that park helped him. Played a lot of games there, obviously, when he was a Red Sox. But next year, he's, you know, he's playing in uh, Petco Park, which is a little different. So, who knows what can happen, but we'll see. But I'm saying Lindor, the the Mets have only made one really long-term investment, and that's been Lindor. I'd love to see them make another with Pete Alonso. We'll see if that happens. Anyway, a little tangent there. We'll talk, you know, maybe that'll be a separate 
separate pod in the future. <laughs> um, but they've only made one long-term investment. And maybe missing out on Manny Machado is good. Uh, like I said, all these old players, older players are getting 10-plus years. And I know, I understand what they're they're doing. I understand what the Padres and the Phillies are doing. It's exactly what I said. They're trying to win a trophy. That's what the Phillies are doing. That's what the Padres are doing. The Padres do not care what happens in five years. If they win a trophy this year, next year, the following year, one of those years or multiple of those years, they don't care what happens in five years. They don't care what happens in ten. Um, and, you, you know, that's a way to look at it. But I also think there's a way to go all in without sacrificing your future like that. Um, I I think that. Um, you know, obviously, I, I think the Padres are on the next two years. The Padres want to win the next two years. They only have Juan Soto for the next two years, right? They signed Tatis and Bogarts and Machado now and also Musgrove and Darvish. So they're making the push. They have all those guys locked up long-term, but they only have Soto for the next two. So I think they're really, really, really going to try for the next two years to to make a push with Soto and this dream team and Hater, right? And the Phillies are doing the same thing. They made it to the World Series last year, felt a little short. They have Harper, they have Schwarber, Real Muto, Castellanos. Let's add Trey Turner and let's make a push for it next year. So I get that, and that's great. Um, that, that's a great mentality, and I think the Mets are doing that, and, that, and that's the Mets are using their money wisely. I think Scherzer and Verlander are great examples of this, right? Instead of signing them to super long deals, they're signing them short-term deals that are, you know, the average annual value. How much? The check that Scherzer gets at the end of the 2022 season is much higher, right? That's the difference between a long contract and a short contract. Um, Long contract, they're just spreading out the money for each year. You know, if, for instance, let's just say, to make it very, very easy, you know, simplify it. I believe I've talked about this before. Let's say the Mets are paying, which would be a vast underpay, but just for very, you know, simplicity's sake, they're paying Scherzer $40. They're paying Scherzer $40 for two years. He's going to get $20 a year. But if they're paying him $40 over four years, he's going to get $10 a year. And how much money he makes per year is, is very important because that's important for the Mets for the tax purposes, right? If you're getting, if you have Scherzer for two years, you're getting taxed based on that $20 a year. So, you know, add on all the other players, Scherzer gets 20 bucks. But if you stretch his contract out for four years, you're only getting taxed 10 per year, right? So for instance, the Mets are going over the tax, which they they went over the Steve Cohen tax. They're getting 90 percent taxed 90 percent for each dollar um and and instead of getting taxed 90 percent of 20 dollars they'd be taxed 90 percent of 10 dollars so that's the idea but you know the the 
evading the tax. That's what the Phillies did with Turner. That's what the, the Padres did with Bogarts. They're stretching out the, the, the amount of money. You know, whatever the amount of money, Turner wanted that amount of money, you know, whatever he got. I don't remember. It happened a couple months ago. Machado wanted $350 million. So instead of him getting paid $350 million over four years, they're stretching it out. So they pay less per year, and he still gets his money. Um, And the Mets have the, the funds... So they're deciding to pay these players short term because in, in some instances that makes more sense, right? It makes just like Correa. When we signed Correa, when we were going to sign him, we only wanted him for six years, which is shorter than obviously the Trey Turner contract and the Bogart's contract because we thought that was better because he had a broken ankle, right? Um, it, it's just the way the Mets are thinking. You know, the, the Mets need pitching. There's not really a young pitcher that you can extend for 10 years or whatever. There's Corbin's, Corbin Burns is not available yet, right? Not yet. Uh, so let's sign Scherzer and Verlander for short-term deals that are very, you know, they get a lot of money per year for short-term deals. So the Mets are, are going all in. You know, just because the Mets didn't get Correa and they're not going to get Machado, it doesn't mean they're not going all in. The Mets, realistically, last year did not have to get Scherzer. They didn't need to get Scherzer. They want to have two aces, the Mets. They decided to have two aces. That's what they wanted. So the, the Mets are going all in, but they're going all in in a specific way. They're not just signing these players willy-nilly. They're signing players to short-term deals that make sense. And the players for long-term deals, like Lindor, you know, they're picking and choosing who they want to sign for long-term deals and who they want to sign for short-term deals. And I think that's really smart. Next year, Otani would be a long-term deal. You're not signing Otani's young. You know, you'd want to sign him for a long-term deal. You're, you're not going to sign Justin Verlander to an eight-year deal when he's 40. You know what I mean? So they're picking and choosing who they want. And obviously, a 40-year-old Justin Verlander is a little different than a 30-year-old Manny Machado. But the Mets, I I think, like I said, I think anyone that's accusing them for not going all-in, I think they're wrong. Because the Mets are going all-in, but they're doing it in a smart way. They're trying not to sacrifice their future for now, right? The Mets have a really good baseball team and they have a really good future. Um, I think in spring training, we're seeing the future, right? We're seeing Ronnie Mauricio go absolutely nuts. We're seeing Brett Beatty go absolutely nuts. Um, And I think that's why missing out on Manny Machado is a good thing. I think it's a good thing. We're, you know, Manny Machado could win MVP next year. He could win MVP the next two years. He could lead the Padres to a World Series. It's not like we're stuck with a below-average third base. We're not stuck with Todd Frazier at third. As much as I love Todd Frazier, miss the Todd father. Just kidding, but, (laughs) you know, um, 
we're not stuck with a below average third baseman who's aging, like Todd Frazier, like, you know, those kinds of players. We have Eduardo Escobar, who is an average third baseman. We have Brett Beatty, who is one of the best, if not the best, third base prospect. Beatty is tearing it up in spring training. If he makes the team in the beginning of the year, if he wins rookie of the year, I don't think anyone's going to care. I really do not think anyone's going to care that the Mets have missed out on Machado, that the Mets missed out on Correa. If they have Brett Beatty and he wins rookie of the year, Mark my words, if he wins Rookie of the Year, I'm not saying he's going to. He's got some stiff competition with Corbin Carroll. Um, Kodai Senga might be there. There's a few other guys out there that could win Rookie of the Year this year um, in the NL. But if Beatty does, if he gets enough playing time and if he does win Rookie of the Year, no one's even going to think about Machado or Correa as third. You know, we have this guy who could potentially be a good third, third baseman Sometimes you've got to take that chance. And to me, it's not that risky of a chance because you have Escobar. Worst comes to worst, if maybe doesn't work out this year, you have an average third baseman. And you have above average shortstop, above average second baseman, above average first baseman, above average center fielder. You know, you're pretty much good everywhere else. <laughs> you know, so not super worried about that. Um, I mean, we'll see what happens to the third base job. Um, I don't think Ronnie Mauricio should get it yet. Um, It really, I mean, we've only seen a couple games, right? It really looks like Beatty is ready. And I I think you got to give him a chance. I think what I would do personally is just me. We'll see at the end of spring training. I would try to trade rough in even like a McCann trade just to get rid of him. Just to get so someone else pays part of his payroll. Escobar takes that bench spot. He's the the right-handed DH. He's, you know, you could substitute him in. He's a bench player. You could substitute him in late in the game or whatever. And I would give Beatty the starting job. And we'll see what see what happens, right? You have some options there. You know, you can... Do Vientos as the right-handed DH and trade or drop rough. Uh, you have some options in there, but I think there's almost no reason. There is no reason why we shouldn't take a chance on Baby. You know, like I said, worst comes to worst. If you have to, you send him down, you bench him for a few days, and you play Escobar. Um, th- this is just what I would do. We'll see. We still got quite a while in spring training. We'll see what happens. Um, but if Bay continues to do this, you know, continues to go two for two, two for three, home run, you know, if, if he feasts in spring training, I, I think you, you have to give him the job. You have to give him a chance. And I think you need to do what the Braves did last year. As much as I hate the Braves, I really respect them for doing this last year, bringing up Spencer Strider in the beginning of the year, bringing up uh, Michael Harris' second in the beginning of the year. The Mets did it all those years ago in 2019 with Pete Alonzo, right? Do that with Beatty. Please do that with Beatty and give him a chance. One of my, probably my least favorite thing, and I've said this before, I'll stand by this. My least favorite thing 
that this Mets regime, Billy Epler, Steve Cohen, my least favorite thing they've done is the bringing up Brett Beatty at the end of the 2022 season, bringing up Francisco Alvarez at the end of the 2022 season as a Hail Mary. You know, Escobar is cold and Ruff's not hitting and... You know, and you're just trying, like, they brought up Beatty and they brought up Alvarez, and it's not fair. It is not fair to either of those players. You're not giving them a valid chance. You're not giving them enough time. I get it. I completely understand the point of that, the purpose of that. Trying to just get a flash in the pan, and and let's bring up Alvarez and see what happens. He might feast on these teams. I'm specifically talking about Alvarez here. Even more than Beatty, although this still applies to Beatty. Bringing up Alvarez for the final Brave series of the 2022 season, the one that literally defined the season, right? That, as much as we don't like to think about it, right? That series was the ultimate deciding factor in what would happen in the postseason. I simply don't think that's fair to put that on Francisco Alvarez's shoulders. I don't think it's fair to bring him up to the majors and say, listen, you're batting in a game that can that de- decides this team's fate. I just don't think that's fair. I don't think that's right. I, I think that could have messed with him mentally and like you know put him in a bad place mentally. And same thing goes for Beatty. Uh, I mean, I love that first home run Beatty got in his first at-bat against the Braves. That's great. But I just, I don't think it's fair that he didn't, yeah, he got hurt. You didn't really give him a chance, right? The Braves brought up Michael Harris a second in the beginning of the year. He wasn't, he was not on pace to win rookie of the year when they brought him up. When they brought him up, he was decent, but he worked out the kinks throughout the year. So did Strider, worked out the kinks throughout the year. And, and Strider was in Cy Young contention and, Harris won Rookie of the Year. And that's what I want them to do with Beatty. I want them to bring Beatty up. Right? He he has a very high ceiling. Bring him up. Give him a chance. Let him work through all the struggles of adapting from the minors to the majors. And see what happens. Let's just see what happens here. So, like I said, I, I think the third base is bright for the future. We have a few options here. We have Escobar. We have uh, Britt Beatty. We have even Ronnie Mauricio, who, you know, is not playing shortstop anymore. He's a little bit too big for shortstop now. Is he going to play left field in the future? Is he going to play third base in the future? I don't know. Uh, Again, I don't think he's going to come up this year. Maybe 2024 or five. I mean, who knows what can happen? I would bring Beatty up before Mauricio. Uh, it, to me, I kind of think that Ronnie Mauricio is just hot and is not very, um, not fully ready on defense and offense. Um, and I think Beatty is closer to that, being fully ready. So, I, I mean, we'll see what happens. It's just we have some choices here. We have some top prospects here that are at third base. Um, you know, it's not like we don't have a third baseman on the team. We don't have any, you know, prospects that are third base. We have a third baseman that's on the team. We have a major league third baseman. 
And we have top prospects that are third basemen. So we have options here. Like I said, Beatty could come up, wins rookie of the year, and everything's fine. I'm not expecting that, and I would suggest you don't expect that either. I'm saying that's a possibility, and that can happen. Um, I mean, all these guys, right? Manny Machado and, and Carlos Gray were prospects at one point. Pete Alonso was a prospect. I was just talking about him in 2019. He was a prospect at one point. Now he's one of the best third basemen in baseball. Bleh. Sorry. Bleh. I don't know why I said that. I've been talking about third base. That's why. He's one of the best first basemen in baseball. You know what I mean? Same thing could happen with Beatty. Um, Beatty can have an Alonzo year. You know, Beatty not hit 53 home runs in the first year, but I'm saying, you know what? He could break out. He could have Julio Rodriguez year, like last year, or Michael Harris year, where he's a rookie, he breaks out, and has a great, you know, season. It's possible. So, I wouldn't worry about Manny Machado being, you know, a Padre, in the sense that I think it's good that the Mets don't have a chance at him. I wouldn't want to sign him for an 11-year deal. I think it's bad because I think we're going to see the Padres in the playoffs for the next couple of years. Uh, and we might have to deal with them in the next couple of years in the playoffs. We might have to deal with them in the next couple of years in the playoffs. But who knows what can happen. As for the pitching side of things here... Um, I want to talk about, first and foremost, Jose Quintana, and then I want to talk about the rest of the rotation here. I want to talk about Jose Quintana because he got roughed up uh, the other day. He started, he had a spring training start, and it did not go very well. And I absolutely want to talk about this. So, he started um, a game against the Astros on Tuesday. Let's see at the box score here. He pitched two-thirds of an inning, four hits, five runs, five earned runs, one walk, and one home run. He currently has a 67 ERA. Do not worry. Do not overreact. Please do not worry. Please do not overreact. It is a spring training start. People were losing their minds after this game on Tuesday. Uh, they were saying, oh my gosh, Quintana, what's going on? Uh, he looks horrible. What's wrong with him? Do not lose your mind. Again, it's a spring training start. It's the first start of the year for him. Again, the score is absolutely pointless. It's spring training. The score does not matter. I know the Mets lost 8-4, to four, but it doesn't matter. It's a spring training start. Um, and Jose Quintana is, he's our number four starter. Obviously, if he has a 67 ERA in, uh, again, that's not a 6.7, that's a 67.50, that's what he had. Uh, that's unacceptable if that happens in the regular season, but it's the first start of the year. He's getting used to the pitch clock. I'm not worried. I, I don't expect him to be an ace. I don't expect him to be lights out. So uh, don't expect Quintana to have a sub-two-year ray. 
Just don't expect it. Don't expect them to have a sub three ERA. Don't expect them to have a sixty-seven ERA either. Um, again, first start of the year. It's spring training, and same goes with Beatty. Same goes with Ronnie Mauricio. With the good things and the bad things in spring training, let's not overreact, right? Let's think things through logically. Um, Quintana had a bad start. He had a bad day. Everyone has a bad day. He's getting used to the new rules, to the new pitch clock. It is what it is. Um, Don't worry about it too much. And like I said, he's not going to be lights out. He's not going to be an ace. Um, But he's not going to have a 67 ERA either. Hopefully. Hopefully. Doesn't. Um, So that's Quintana. Don't worry about it. Please don't worry about it. Uh, Don't go crazy and... Run around like a chicken without its head. Um, as for the other guys in the rotation, I'm very excited to see Scherzer, uh, Scherzer already got a start, and he looked pretty good. Uh, he was messing with the, um, the the pitch clock and the timing and everything, and that looked awesome, right? It seemed like he really knew what he was doing with the pitch clock. He was preparing for it. He pitched two innings, three hits, one run, one earned run, five strikeouts, uh, a 450 ERA. Uh, And that was on Sunday, so earlier this week. Um, I'm excited to see Verlander get his first start this weekend. Senga gets his first start this weekend. And I think Scherzer again uh, later on in the weekend. So that'll be a lot of fun to watch. Uh, No, Scherzer's... T- tomorrow. Yeah, Scherzer is Friday. So Friday, March 3rd will be Scherzer's start. Uh, Saturday will be Verlander, and Sunday will be Senga. So it'll be very fun to see some of these guys for the pitch for the first time in Mets uniforms. Again, don't overreact. Um, and I really hope so. I, I think this is true, and I, and I hope it is. Uh, Tim Britton, uh, released a article about the Mets potentially using six-man rotation in the Athletic, and I really hope that this is true. I I really hope this is true. the The Mets have eight starters right now. They have eight potential starters. Right, they have Justin Verlander, Max Scherzer, Kodai Senga, Jose Quintana, Carlos Carrasco. And then they have extra arms being David Peterson, Tyler McGill, and Joey Lucchese. So eight total potential starters. We're all major league starters, right? Don't, you know, Peterson, McGill, and Lucchese are all decent starters. They're not, obviously, not as good as Verlander and Scherzer. But they're all decent. They're, they're towards the back end, are decent. I want the Mets to do a six-man rotation. I want the Mets to do a six-man rotation, which gives each pitcher one extra day of rest than normally because we have Scherzer and Verlander. Last year, we didn't do a six-man rotation. Scherzer got hurt. Hopefully, if we do a six-man rotation this year, that kind of you know remedies that. I mean, anything can happen, but I just think if we have 
if we give Scherzer and Verlander an extra day of rest each, potentially they would not get hurt as much. Um, I know when you're doing a six-man rotation, that's less Scherzer starts, that's less Verlander starts. Each pitcher is pitching less games. They're starting less games. So I understand that. But I think it's important to have them the whole year and especially have them for the postseason. Last year, we tried to do the two aces thing, and it didn't work out. Uh, we had Scherzer for most of the year. Um, Zhao, who shall not be named, the guy who went to Texas, came back. Scherzer got hurt. Both of them only pitched for like a month, and they didn't really do well because Scherzer was kind of still hurt. They did in the postseason, and it didn't really work out either. Um, so we, we tried this formula of the double aces, but injuries kind of, you know, it didn't really help because of injuries. Injuries really restrained the Mets from following through with that plan and it working out. Um, hopefully this year, like I said, six man rotation, if you have David Peterson start every sixth day, I'm okay with that. I think David Peterson isn't a, a major league starter. And I think this potentially, potentially can kind of ease him into being a starter. He, he is a starter. Don't get me wrong. But I, I think David Peterson could have a breakout year. I think he could start to get a little bit better and a little bit better. And he might actually have the starting job. You know what I mean? The past couple of years. He's been the number six, seven, eight starter. You know, one of those starters. Um, I think potentially, he could be a top five starter next year. Potentially. I mean, who knows what happens, what free agents the Mets sign or whatever. Uh, he could be top five starter on the Mets. Not in baseball. Not in baseball. No. But he, he could be in the Mets starting five next year. I think potentially. I think this would be a really good way to kind of maybe ease him into that potentially happening in the future. And if not, I just think it's a really good way to give Scherzer and Verlander some extra rest, uh, hopefully keep them healthy throughout the year. And I think also, not only would it help Scherzer and Verlander, but it would also help Senga transition a little bit easier into the MLB. MLB is slightly different from uh, the, the Japanese league. Yeah, MLB, the, the baseball is a little different. The mounds uh, are a little different, and generally, MLB pitchers pitch more innings than Japanese league pitchers, so kind of ease Senga into that, you know, and so it helped three out of your five stars. It helped Cookie, too, because Cookie's a little bit older. Um, I, I'm for this. I think this is good. Obviously, like I said, the one drawback is you're getting less Verlander and Scherzer starts, because you're getting those Peterson starts in there. But I think if it's, if it keeps those two healthy the whole year, if it helps Senga with the transition from Japanese League to MLB, I think it sounds good. I, you know, I, I'm for that. I think that's kind of a good idea when you have two pitchers that are 40 years old. Uh, I mean, we'll see. Um, I saw, you know, they're kind of going to use it when... Uh, when they feel is it, it's important, when you know they feel like they need to use it, 
uh, so when they have like 10 games in a row or something like that, or off, depending on off days or whatever, um, which also makes sense. I mean, we'll see what happens with the pitching in the future, but I think that's not a bad idea to, uh, you know, have the six-man rotation, have that security, those extra days of rest for Verlander and Scherzer to keep them healthy all year long. So hopefully I've kind of eased your, uh, you know, problems with third base and maybe pitching here. Um, we'll see what what happens in the spring training. Um, I feel a little bit better about third base, especially after seeing Beatty and Mauricio play in spring training. Again, like I said, don't overreact to that. Um, but I, I, I think it's time. I think it's time for them to play. And I think... Again, don't overreact to Quintana. That's the message of today. Don't overreact either way. Don't overreact positively or negatively to any of these things. Um, It's spring training. It's fun to see these guys pitch and to play when we don't usually get to. Uh, You you don't usually get to see Beatty play every single day like this. Um, And it's fun to see some of these Players for the first time, Verlander and Senga. I'm absolutely going to watch those two games this weekend. I want to see them for the first time in orange and blue, pitch a game. Um, But, yeah. So, thank you for watching. As always, super excited to see what happens for the rest of spring training and what happens in the regular season. And so, thanks for listening. Thank you for all your support. And, as always... Let's go Mets.